0: Thanks. Thank you. Well, we've had a cool winter. We've had some very wet days and lockdowns. And these are all great times to uh, connect with people and within your family and your bubble and uh, play games. I was thinking when I was a little child, I was born in the far north and one of my favourite games was swinging from the super jack in the bush and then later on we moved down to the Waikato and we, um, you know, the games were things like puzzles and cowboys and Indians and, uh, yeah, draughts. And then when I got married, my husband taught me chess. Well, that took me so much concentration. It was worse than learning to drive a car. <laughs> Hear, O Israel. The Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. These commandments I give you today are to be upon your hearts, impress them on your children, talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down, and when you get up. Well, today's sermon comes from a series I've written called The Games We Play. And the whole idea is that when we are playing games, it brings to mind uh, the gospel truths that we can share with our children, that we can share with our families and our neighbours. And today, we play the game of chess. So how many of you here know chess? Well, it originated in India, I didn't know that, from back in AD 600, and they've actually found pieces in Uzbekistan that date to this period as well. And in playing, all the pieces represent something in the society, and so from the original Indian chess game, the Europeans have swapped in the Queen and taken out what they call a vizier, or an advisor to the king. Well the chessboard is made out of 8 by 8 alternating black and white squares. I was really impressed to see people wearing cheques today. <laughs> and um, this gives 64 positions 8 by 8 with 32 occupied at the beginning of the game. And when we look down on the chessboard, it's a way of remembering that God is all-seeing, everlasting to everlasting, the Alpha and the Omega. And he looks at his creation from the beginning of time. He looks at humanity. When he created it, he said it was good. In fact, he said it was very good when he made humanity. And he continues to look down, and he sees the people. He sees the motives. He sees their resources. He sees their desperation. Our God is above all. And yet he chose to come and become one of us. Well, to win the game of chess, the idea is to immobilise or to checkmate the opposition's king, regardless of how many people or players are still on the board, unlike drafts, isn't it? Because with drafts, you just check out everyone, last one standing is the one that wins. Well, this is the exact stand that Satan took against God. You know, Satan was one of God's angelic beings. It's said that he was the model of perfection, full of wisdom, beautiful. He was in the garden. He was the anointed cherub, and it was said that he was blameless in all his ways. But then he became full of violence, and he sinned, and his heart became proud on account of his beauty and his wisdom. So the chessboard reminds us with its two colours that there are only two sides to the conflict. We have God the creator and he is being challenged by Satan the created. Listen to what Satan's boasts were. In Isaiah 14 he says, I will ascend to heaven. I will raise my throne against the stars of God. I will sit enthroned on the mount of the assembly in the utmost heights of the sacred mountain. I will ascend to the tops of the clouds, and I will make myself like the Most High. He wanted to be more. He wanted to be superior. He wanted kingship. He wanted a kingdom, but he could never deceive or overpower God. Even in the Gospels, we see Satan trying to test Jesus. Luke 4, the devil leads Jesus up to a high place and he shows him in an instant all the kingdoms of the world. And he said to him, I will give it all to you, all their authority and splendor, for it has been given to me. So I can give it to anyone I want. If you worship me, it can be all yours. Satan, who do you think you are? Please say after me, the earth is the Lord's. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it. In the Garden of Eden, Satan twisted God's words and he deceived Eve. He spoke doubt and corruption by appealing to pleasure rather than to contentment. And as a result, the earth became cursed. With death and decay. Humanity now faced grief, pain and toil for every subsequent generation. And the human race took on Satan's nature, his deception, his lies, his selfish ambition. And even those who taught and ruled from God's temple in Jerusalem, they were corrupted. John 8, talks about Jesus and he's challenging the Pharisees. He said, if God were your father, you would love me because I come from God. You belong to your father, the devil, and you want to carry out your father's desires. He is a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth, for there's no truth in him. And when he lies, he speaks his native language for he's a liar and the father of lies. As a result, I, you, we, were dead in our transgressions. We followed the ways of the world and the ruler of the kingdom of the air, that spirit who is now alive and work with those who are disobedient. We all lived at one time gratifying the cravings of our sinful nature and following its desires and its thoughts. But you will know that there's no grey on a chessboard. There's no grey to worshipping and serving God. And at some point in our lives, Christians have made a conscious decision to step away from the father of lies and accept the fatherhood of God. That's why we hear the metaphor adopted into the family of God or being born again because none of us were born in God's family. But a second family welcomes us A family who only wants our good. A family who would die to save us. A family that freed us from enslavery. So when we cry out, Abba, Father, it is creator God who lifts us in his arms and gently holds us. We have been brought into the God's family and we are God's children by faith in Jesus. And even Joshua, the hero of old, when he settled the Hebrew people into the Promised Land, he said, now fear the Lord and serve him with all faithfulness. Throw away the gods your forefathers used to worship beyond the river, serve the Lord. But if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then this day choose whom you will serve. But Joshua said, as for me and my family, we will serve the Lord. And so for the people of the world, it's still their choice. Darkness or light? Evil or Christ's righteousness? Counterfeit or true? Egypt or the promised land? You know, and we are all made in the image of God, body, soul, and spirit. And God placed eternity in our hearts. And so if we don't place worship in the correct place, then we are putting it in a counterfeit place. Satan turned from being an angel of praise and worship to wanting the worship himself. And he will attempt to blind us and bully us and busy us to take our eyes off the Lord. Counterfeit becomes idolatry, and idolatry breaks the first of the two of the Ten Commandments. Deuteronomy 5 says, You shall have no other gods before me, You shall not make for yourself an idol in the form of anything in heaven above or on earth below or the waters. You shall not bow down and you shall not worship them for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God. If we examine the pieces on the chessboard, we can see that there are six uh, capacities that they operate in. We have the pawns, the castles, the bishops, the horses, the queen and the king, and the players start in set positions according to their capacity, and they're bound by different rules of movement. For instance, the eight pawns stand in the front row like a Napoleonic army, and David Jeremiah, and they can only go forward. And David Jeremiah said that when we put on the armor of God, it's all forward-facing armor. There is no armor on our back. So we are told to move forward like the pawns and not turn our back on the enemy. When we've done all we can, we stand. Six capacities on the chessboard, six capacities in the Christian walk. Serving, teaching, encouraging, generosity, mercy, and leadership. We are all God's workmanship. He's fashioned us, created us in Christ Jesus to do good works, works that he prepared in advance for each one of us to do in our own capacity. And in Christ, we, even in this church, form one body, and each member belongs to each other. The chessboard and the church all need its members fulfilling its role you may be rich or poor you may be restrained by sickness disease age or injury you may be healthy you may be male or you may be female you may be slave or you may be free you might be an infant in christ or you might be a mature christian but whatever we do Let it all be to the glory of God. Well, on the chessboard, in the back row, the king and queen are flanked by bishops. And it's almost a statement to how closely faith and governance stand in society and the laws that govern it. For Israel, the temple and the law was governance, and for the kings like David and Solomon and Uh, Josiah their governance under God was mostly good but human rulers bring their fallen human nature with its insecurities its passions and its selfishness the further from God the kings were the further they were from obeying the laws and the more corrupt and confused their kingdoms became we see the kings of Israel consulting with the prophets And then we see the prophets talking and advising the kings of Israel. Uh, I found out that Billy Graham consulted the American presidents. And even the missionaries that came to New Zealand consulted with the British monarchy in colonising our country. Theocracy, God as king. Monarchy, God appointed kings of men. And in New Zealand, we have a democracy that's meant to mean the majority chooses the ruler and therefore the rules, but the majority is not always right. And we're told as Christians to enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction, but small is the gate and narrow the road that leads to life, and only a few find that. So no wonder Christians are instructed to pray. So thank you Craig, I was watching that list before and there was these prayer points. Christians are instructed to pray for kings and those in authority. So if it's our church leadership, we pray for them, our country's leadership, we pray for them, and then on the international scene. And the reason is, it says in 1 Timothy, is that we may live peaceful and quiet lives in all godliness and holiness. So when we sing God Save the Queen, or our national anthem, we are actually singing a prayer. And I just thought the words of God Save the Queen, God save our gracious Queen, it's giving glory and power to God. Long live our noble Queen, God save the Queen. And Queen Elizabeth II has reigned for over 70 years now, making her the longest-ruling monarch in history. And Queen Elizabeth has another title to her name, which is, uh, if I read it formally, it goes, Queen Elizabeth of Great Britain, Northern Ireland, and the Commonwealth holds the title Defender of the Faith. She is the supreme governor of the Church of England, and every coin Minted in Britain has the initial FD or FID, uh, which is the Latin word for defender of the faith. And she has exemplified a Bible-led life, serving her reign with wisdom and the love of Jesus. If we read scripture, we can see that Israel's kings barely made it past 40 years. 40 is quite a common turnover point. And uh, when we go back into our own church history, when after Constantine declared Christianity to be the faith of the Roman Empire, church leaders started to compete with the Caesars over the monarchy. Whoever held the power over the people held the wealth. And sometimes I wonder whether the Queen of England uh, has the power as the church, as the... um, defender of the faith because the church appointed her or is it because the monarchy appointed her, that title? Don't know. Well the chess pieces are immobilised to, a manoeuvre to immobilise the opposition's king or to protect their own. Well our king, the Lord God, doesn't need protection. He is the Lord of Lords and the King of Kings. I'm looking forward to that day when I see him riding on that white horse and it's tattooed on his thigh. That's what I like to think of it as. (laughs) By his word, the earth was created. By his word, kings are laid low. His concern is the church, his adopted family, and he wants that family to grow. So we have been given a commission to be an ambassador for Jesus. And regardless of our starting point in life, once we are adopted, our commission is to make disciples of all nations. And in New Zealand, that's quite acceptable. We are ethnically mixed. In fact, the census says that 26% of New Zealanders were not born here. The Maoris arrived from Polynesia following the Morioris, the European settlers came in um, through Abel Tasman, Cook, and uh, the Portuguese and the Spanish came in, and the whalers and sailors, well, they were just kidnapped for any port they could be found in. The Chinese came in for gold. In the 1960s, the Friesen Works brought in the Muslim slaughtermen. And even today, we can see that we have migrants in our orchards in the dairy industry and the medical profession. But for Israel to be told that they had to go out and um, preach to all nations would have been abhorrent, because they had been told right from the beginning that they could not mix with the Gentile nations. Their faith was based on the idea that they had been set apart. Coming into contact with a non-Jew would have made them unsanctified, unholy, defiled. They could not enter the temple and offer worship. Three examples in scripture. One, they could not talk to a Gentile. Remember Jesus and the Samaritan at the well? And when Jesus asked her to draw water, she said, You're a Jew, and I'm a Samaritan. How can you ask me for a drink? And when the disciples returned, they were surprised to find him talking, even with a woman. They could not touch a non-Jew. We see in the Good Samaritan, Uh, Luke with the priest going along the road, and he saw the injured man, but there was no way he could touch a defiled man. And so he passed by on the other side of the road. We see this happening a few times, but each man was more concerned about his own ceremonial cleanliness than his love for his brother. And they certainly could not eat with them, God said to Peter, get up and eat. And Peter went, surely not, Lord. I have never eaten anything impure or unclean. But the voice came, do not call anything impure that the Lord has made. Even though his vision was about unclean animals, it prepared him to accept the fact that people from all nations are equals before God. Because God does not show favouritism, but He accepts men from every nation who fear Him and do what is right. Because our battle is not against flesh and blood. Human needs are very basic all over the world, and Maslow has this uh, pyramid called the Hierarchy of Needs. So we all need air, we all need water, we all need food, we all need shelter. But going up the pyramid, human connection is such a big need, and it doesn't matter what nation you come from. So when we offer hospitality, or share a kappa, or a meal, we are inviting them into our homes the nations, and we are offering a, a, our Christian sanctuary for them to feel safe in, and our Christian culture. A few days ago, uh, we were confronted with some horrible news from down in Southland that there'd been a, um, a car accident and a, a, uh, they presumed a vehicle had gone through a, rid- a bridge and into the river. Um, it was so murky that we couldn't see Into the water. But the police were called and took a few days, but the dive squad came in and they took um, (coughs) a young woman uh, and her car out of that river. And uh, before the police could even announce her name, it came to a point where we knew who that person was. And it ended up being our son's, um, a young girl in our son's youth group. And that young girl had actually been at our house up at Brassknocker, And it just sort of makes you think you never know how people's lives are going to change. And I would like to think that what she took away from my house, maybe what she took away from my son's hospitality, um, that she has made a choice. It started her on her faith journey. Um, I pray that one day in heaven I will see her face. But it just shows you we've got to do it today. Offer that hospitality, get to know someone, reach out, bring them in. What Christians do war against is rulers, authorities, against the powers of darkness, against spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. It's an enemy we almost can't see But what the chessboard tells us is that there are 16 pieces on one team and 16 pieces on the other team, and they're identical. Just one is in light and one is in dark. And Satan doesn't introduce himself when he's tempting us, does he? He doesn't say, hello, I'm the devil, Uh, come this way. Because we would just go, "Uh uh-uh, I know who you are. It says in the Bible that he masquerades as an angel of light. He's in disguise. Even in the Garden of Eden, he made disobedience a calculated option. Sin tastes sweet until there's accountability, and then where's Satan? He's gone. He will be whatever he needs to be to take your eyes off the king. Off Jesus. But God is all seeing. Our righteous God saw Satan, that he had turned against him. He saw the damage he had done in the Garden of Eden, breaking our relationship. And he saw he had corrupted a third of the angels in heaven. In his time, he removed him from heaven. Isaiah 14 says, How you have fallen. O morning star, son of the dawn, you have been cast down to the earth, you who once laid low the nations. In Revelation, there's a war where it sees Michael, the archangel and his angels fighting against this dragon, who was also another symbol of uh, the devil. But the dragon was not strong enough, that's because our God is stronger, and they lost their place in heaven, and he was hurled to the earth, and his angels with him. And Revelation 12 says, therefore rejoice you who are in heaven and who dwell in them, but woe to you on the earth and the sea, because the devil has gone down to you and he is filled with fury because he knows his time is short. So the Apostle Paul pleads to the church in Thessalonica Don't let anyone deceive you. And he warns of one in the church future, but also earth's future, a man called the man of lawlessness. He's doomed for destruction, but it says that he will oppose and exalt himself above everything that is called God and everything that is worshipped. Sounds a bit familiar, doesn't he? And he will set himself up in God's temple and proclaim to be God. And it says that whatever he does, it's like the work of Satan, displaying all kinds of counterfeit, miracles, signs and wonders, and every sort of evil that will deceive those who are perishing. You know, even the Pharisees, the Sadducees and the civil authorities in the time of Jesus They were blinded to who Jesus was. They heard a man who was claiming to be God's son, God in the flesh, and they refused to see miracles of love, miracles of healing, healings that gave God the glory, love and acceptance which lifted the destitute and the despised and the disabled. But Jesus hammered home to the Pharisees. You know, they thought he was working for Beelzebub, in other words, Satan, but he said, every kingdom divided against itself will be ruined. Every city, every household divided against itself will not stand. If Satan drives out Satan, he is divided against himself. How can his kingdom stand? But he said, if I drive out demons by the spirit of God, then the kingdom of God is now with you. He said, he who is not with me is against me. He who does not gather in scatters. So the question there is, are you a gatherer or are you a scatterer? Well, Satan constantly accuses us. He's prowling around, wanting to devour us, all in his attempt to dethrone God. And so in chess, the important word is check. It means that the king can be taken out next move unless he can change his circumstances. And we should call check into our lives Listening to the Holy Spirit, prompting our conscience. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's perfect will is. First Peter 2. Rid yourself of all malice, deceit and hypocrisy, envy and slander. Check. Submit yourself to the Lord's sake, to every authority instituted among men. Live as free men, show proper respect to everyone, love the brotherhood of believers, and love the king. Check. Honour God, it says, resist the devil and he will flee from you. Check. Satan was also constantly looking to put God in check trying to stop the woman's offspring who would crush his head. Adam and Eve were cast from the Garden of Eden. They would now die and return to the dust. Check. Mm -mm. God made the promise of a saviour. God flooded the earth as judgment on the wicked of men and the fallen angels. Check but God designed an ark and set Noah afloat. Abraham went to sacrifice Isaac, the son of promise, check, but God provided the lamb. Israel went into famine, check, but God raised up Joseph. Israel went into slavery, check, but God raised up Moses. Israel went into captivity and the temple was destroyed, Check, said Satan. But God raised up the prophets and the message went on. Jesus the Saviour was conceived to an unmarried mother. The law said death by stoning, check. But Joseph took Mary as his wife, just as God's angels instructed him. King Herod decreed the death of all baby boys under two in Bethlehem just to destroy Jesus the son of David, king of the Jews. Check. But in a dream, Joseph was told to get up, take his family, and flee to Egypt. In The Passion of Christ, Mel Gibson tells the stories that last few hours of Jesus' life. And Satan is seen gloating amongst the crowd there And the soldiers, as Jesus is purged by whips of nails, tearing at his flesh, he mocks as the crown of thorn pierces Jesus' skull. Check. And when Jesus went to the cross and the disciples and other followers were in shock, believing that Jesus was dying like a common man, check, said Satan. And even Pontius Pilate had nailed to his cross the sign King of the Jews. Check. Jesus' reign was over. Check. Jesus offered up that cry. It is finished. Satan was going, check. But without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness for sin. God's wrath was satisfied. In love, our debt was paid. Thank you, Jesus the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world, God is faithful. And Jesus himself had said, no one takes my life from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down and authority to take it up again. That sounds like an eternal king to me. Well, as Jesus was celebrating his false perception that Jesus was checkmate, checkmate. That means that there is no more left, no move left to protect the king. The battle is over, out of the game. And yes, Jesus had died. Yes, he was buried. Yes, our stone was rolled in front of the tomb. And yes, the disciples huddled in fear. But three days later, Jesus rose up from the grave. His resurrection confirms our resurrection. (laughs) Ha ha, Satan. It's you who are in check. He no longer has the right to accuse us. We the brethren, because as far as east is from the west, God has cast our sins never to remember them anymore. He still prowls. He still desires to kill, destroy, and steal, but in victory we declare that death has lost its sting. Christ was sacrificed once to take away the sins of many people, and he will appear a second time to bring salvation to those who are waiting for him. Jesus opened the door for us of the nations, us the Gentiles, to be grafted in to his family. Jesus sent the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit comes to convict the world of guilt in regard to sin and righteousness and judgment. Sin because the world does not believe in him. Righteousness because Jesus was going to the Father in regard to judgment because the prince of the world now stands condemned.